Oh, au. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, this is episode two of the podcast of Tropical Dawn being Kay. And? Being. Um, yes, we wanted to talk this time. Did I? About our passage. Uh, the passage. Oh, is that what I said? <laughs> I think um, we talked about that last episode. Uh, passage being passing from one place to the other. <laughs> no, passage is, <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe it's a sailing term. I don't know if it's something people... Oh, no, it's not a sailing term only, I mean. <laughs> like a passage is a corridor. Yeah, but the passage, <laughs> when, when we talk about the passage, <laughs> we mean doing a, a trip from one place to the next. And crossing. A crossing. Crossing passage. Anyway, um, we started our sailing in Cape Town and the plan for the passage was to go to St. Helena, which is an island in the middle of the South Atlantic, about halfway between South America and Africa, and which is kind of like right on the trade wind route from Cape Town towards uh, the Caribbean. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I just woke up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what we were saying last time because I think there was like a, a flow from um, when we were talking. <laughs> I don't think there's any point in remembering what we talked about last. We we can talk about something else today. Uh, yeah, I think we spoke a little bit about the cost of sailing. Yeah, and how we got started um, in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think uh, what's maybe. Oh, uh, I'm completely brain dead. You'll have to talk a bit uh, no. more until I wake up. No, well, um, <laughs> I think, I think uh, I want to make this a theme of today. It's okay. the passage. Oh. Or what it was like to actually sail longer distance. So maybe we can talk, start off a little bit with like, which longer sails we've done before we left Cape Town. Um, we done, so the whole idea was that we shouldn't just take off and sail halfway across the ocean without at least having a little bit of experience of sailing more than just a couple of hours and doing day sails. So we did a, a little cruise down the west coast of Western Cape, so from Cape Town towards Saldana, Langaban, um, St. Helena Bay, that area, um, which we didn't plan that much we just I just wanted to do a, like a 24 hour passage so we ended up doing a passage from Hard Bay to Port Owen which was just over 25 hours yeah I think yeah. it's about 120 nautical miles um, and I guess could have learned from that that we decided to do it on a certain day and that day there was not enough wind even though it was it's it's supposed to be downwind at that time of year that we did it. I think we did this in October. Mm. Uh, normally there's a southeaster blowing and uh, where we were going was southwest. So normally we would have had to wind be from behind us. We actually ended up motoring the whole way because we chose a day when there was hardly any wind, which I think was kind of... Well, it was part of the plan because once it's you not have like a hectic... Too much wind. Yeah, have a too hectic for our... 
office, like overnight. Yeah. yeah. Um, which turned out to be not enough wind to even just get by just sailing. So we actually had we were motor sailing, which meant we had our sails up, but we also were using the engine, which on the one hand was a good um, practice to actually know that our engine was running fine and we could actually rely on it. But on the other hand, made it uh, less comfortable than could have been, I think. Do you have yeah. any other less things you, th you remember from that? I just remember yeah. it was like incredibly beautiful. Maybe we had like all that fog as soon as we turned the corner. Um, yeah, maybe we should, should just describe yeah. the, the the. So as we were, we left Hot Bay um, in in Cape Town, if, and if anybody knows, like that bay, you can't really tell how the wind is going to be once you get out of the bay. Of course, there's like wind predictions and stuff, but like it's very deceptive. The wind changes quite a lot in within the bay and stuff like that. So anyway, we we got out the bay, which is also sometimes a little um, uncomfortable, especially when you get uh, just out of the bay and the waves or the swell actually starts, um, sometimes getting a little bit messy. Um, and we turned towards uh, or north um, and we pretty much like within like t 10 minutes, we, we like hit like a, a fog bank or we saw that, oh fuck, we actually. Fog was ahead of us, like a big wall of fog. Yeah. And um, like we were like, uh, should we turn around? I was actually, or? I was actually thinking like this is not a good idea to, s to sail our motor into like dense fog. Let's just turn back. But then we were like, well, you know, at some point or another, something unpredictable like this is going to happen. So we may as well yeah. go so, through. So we made the, yeah. we made the call being that uh, we have an AIS transponder on our boat, which means we send our position and uh, direction and speed via AIS, which is an electronic system, to all the boats in the area who also have AIS, which I think most boats nowadays have. Um, and I mean, it is kind of on, on the, the shipping route from Cape Town towards uh, Cape Point. But we assumed like all the bigger boats would have like, would definitely see us and would have AIS on their boat so we would be able to see them. Mm, Apart so. from that, we decided to go really slow, like basically half, half throttle, like three nautical miles, uh, three knots, I mean, per, like, which is about five kilometers per hour or something. So not very fast. And then I instructed Kay. <laughs> <laughs> take our sound signaling device, which was a, a bell we we bought somewhere along the way, specifically for on the boat, and that she should go sit on the front of the boat and ring the bell every two minutes. Yeah, and also be at the front of the boat so that I could maybe see um, if something was going to happen. Also, specifically yeah. here, because as the engine was running, me at the back of the boat, I wouldn't be able to really. Mm -hmm here if, if another boat was approaching. So that was the, the, the approach we chose. Yeah, and um, I think like probably after 10 minutes or 15 minutes or so, I heard something in the water and I shouted, Timmy, whale! <laughs> <laughs> and I like pointed in the direction of, that the whale was. Um, and I was Which like, was like 
pretty much straight ahead of us, yeah, slightly off really our course. Close, like within very ten, close. Within ten meters or so. Ten meters. Yeah. It was just like, like uh, breeding there. I think it was a humpback whale. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like the humpback whale was telling us to not <laughs> mess with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we did a sharp uh, turn to the starboard side, which is the right, and we avoided the whale. And we did see it from very close yeah, by. Yeah, but for me it was like, oh wow, okay, this is a good omen, like, to see a whale, how special is that? And to avoid hitting it even more, more lucky. Yeah, and I so, think actually, like, right after that, within a few minutes, I saw a big uh, sunfish, mm-hmm. which you also see quite a lot in uh, Cape Town. If you've never seen a sunfish, just uh, Google it or look it up online, a sunfish or mola mola, as they also yeah. called, also a very special fish, very weird fish. By the way, they look, especially close up, look very weird, but they can get quite big. Um, Didn't, wasn't there like a giant one found, a dead giant one found? Yeah, the one in, in uh, a few months ago in the Azores, I think, which was, uh, I think, one and a half, weighed one and a half tons, which was apparently the biggest one ever. Like, it was a massive one. Yeah, but they, but they I mean, go Google it, you'll see. Um, yeah, a very special fish. Mm. Um, yeah. So onwards we continued, and I think we saw, I mean, obviously there were dolphins. Um, and obviously. Obviously. Because <laughs> there <laughs> no, are always dolphins there. That's Cape Town. Yeah. I mean, if you still there, and seals, and like I said, penguins. penguins. Yeah. But yeah, it's always nice to see dolphins. It's always, yeah. Because they're, they're so, yeah, anyway. You've probably have seen videos or like people, like how the, the dolphins still, like, swim next to the boat and jump in front of it. It's like, oh, it's always amazing to, to see dolphins. Mm. Uh, and I think that the, beyond the, I think it was, oh, Shibuya, we were in the um, the fog bank for like four hours, three, three to four mm. hours, which was really, really long. Um, and after we got out of that, it was pretty clear and it was pretty easy as far as I remember. Yeah, um, so the beautiful thing was that like as we were coming out of the fog bank and we were also leaving Cape Town you could see like basically Table Mountain the the coast of, of Cape Town which is I mean Table Mountain is really amazing but that whole coast is really amazing and like the peaks were sticking out of the fog which was also just a really beautiful sight and just to be in the sun again mm. yeah and I think the rest for me is a bit of a blur because I just remember like being really tired and um uh, on my, I think we probably did do shifts because I remember being on shift and uh, like do seeing seeing like lights in a specific place. This is overnight when it's completely dark. Lights in a certain place, which for me was like okay, that's land. And then all of a sudden the lights were like the same lights. You know, you can tell the distance between the lights. Like maybe there's one light here and then like uh, whatever meters or whatever. So there's another light or there's different color lights. So for me, the lights were land, and then all of a sudden, the lights were like in front of me, whereas previously they'd been to my right, and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like, are those lights or are those boats? Like, it took me, like, in my pro- proper brain fog, it took me, like, a second to realize, no, that I must check the direction that I'm that I'm going in, because I probably, like, altered my course, which is yeah. exactly what happened. Uh, just to specify, yeah. we... Another thing we hadn't really planned for in advance, or we have a tiller pilot, but but tiller pilot is basically autopilot for a boat. We've our boat has a tiller instead of a wheel, so it's it's 
basically a, a, a pneumatic rod a, a device that like steers the <laughs> steers the boat <laughs> uh the tiller in in a certain compass direction but we hadn't really tried it out before and when we tried it yeah. out it turned out that it was going off course the whole time which later we while looking at the manual and we figured out we just had to calibrate it and we fixed that but it meant that for the whole trip we actually were hand steering mm. which again was a good exercise to know that we can do it but it's also very tiring if on a crew of just two people to do an overnight sail where you have to be on the tiller the whole time yeah you have to be focused enough to know like okay i'm following a 180 degree course keep checking the the, the compass because when it's dark you don't have any point of reference as to where you're going unless you keep an eye on that we so were probably doing a close to a zero degree yeah, I mean, I, I just gave an example. <laughs> <laughs> we just said we were going north, and now you're describing a, a course south. So. <laughs> well, maybe I was going. Maybe that's why, that's why <laughs> you went wrong, and you ended up seeing lights where they weren't supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember like freaking out at some point because like again the lights were in the wrong place, and I was like, "Are oh, those boats?" Because obviously, well, not obviously. When you are sailing or motoring or on the water at night, you have to have lights on your boat as yeah, a safety mechanism lights, so yeah. other people can see you um, very clearly. And I was like, oh, is that land or are those boats? And I was like, I had like a bit of a, a freak out. I was like, ah, you think I even called Demi's name, but he was fast asleep, so he didn't budge. And I was just like, think. And I was like, okay, no, it's cool. You can just continue going. And if something <laughs> is not where it's supposed to be, then then you can change course. Like, I just made an executive decision. <laughs> and it all turned out fine. It was just two boats. But, um, like I said, I'm going between two boats. But sorry, I'm, I like, babbling on a bit here. Um, I remember uh, the beautiful first dawn arriving in our new destination like uh feeling quite relieved and and excited um and port owen was our first port of call we'd heard that it's a beautiful place to go but i mean so the place is called Feltift, but the, the marina is called port owen so we i think i had or we had been to Feltift, but we never been to port owen and i know, also knew it's upper river so we knew we had to time when to get there mm. uh, so we timed for a high tide because low tide it's too low to go into the river which also was a really cool experience to sail actually i mean motor up to up a, up a river yeah. um yeah the the marina manager we like called him i think we called him on the radio or did yeah. we call him via whatsapp i can't remember anyway we, we he met us at like the a jetty the yeah. the wading jetty and he actually got on board with us to navigate us through the channel which was actually quite well marked but then going into marina which is actually was so different from we're used to being on in a in yacht clubs or in marinas in cape town which are on the ocean this was like a, a little like completely it's like with with houses around it like just off the river like a really beautiful little marina uh where we ended up spending i think about a week mm. And then we ended up, yeah, continuing to first to uh, Paternoster, where we anchored, which was 
quite uncomfortable. But it was for the, the night, yeah. It was the first time we actually spent the night at anchor, which was a good experience. But on the other hand, there was quite a lot of swells, so not very comfortable. And then we continued to Soldana, which Soldana and Langaban are like a bay just outside of Cape Town, which is actually most people who sail in Cape Town, they they'll go there like on mm. on a like a weekend cruise or for for during holiday times to go there. So we spent a few nights at the Soldana yacht port, which was quite nice. But it's like yeah, it's like a bit of in the middle of like a bit separate from the town but it was well it was a good experience of like just walking to town and and seeing different kind of marina than what we used to mm. um and then yeah we went we anchored for a few nights at um what's it called again crawl by crawl by so yeah if you mm. ever in sailing in around in or around cape town like if you if you not in a rush just spend a few uh few nights in Kralbay, which is in the Langaban Lagoon. It's it's really beautiful. It's a uh, anchorage in a lagoon. It's very shallow, so you have to you can only really get in and low tide, and even like deep draught boats probably wouldn't be able to get in there. But it's in the middle of a, a nature reserve, and yeah, it's it's a really really special place. So it was very cool to like, get a bit of a feel of what it's like like to stay a few nights on anchor and just be like not in a marina. But yeah, there was. Uh, I just wanted to mention it. Why did I want to mention it? Oh yeah, because well, and then we had to motor back to uh, Hard Bay because Hard Bay is basically in that time of year upwind from where we were, which ended up. So that whole trip, we basically hardly sailed. So I think we sailed a couple of hours. So we're sailing into the wind, which, which you can't do. <laughs> it's not really possible, but it's also extremely uncomfortable. So you can. I mean, you can you work with the certain, wind. Certain angle to the wind, like yeah. usually on our boat, probably like forty-five degrees or something. But, but which means that you have to zigzag up. Which means it takes a lot of time and a and lot of energy. And it feels yeah. very uncomfortable because you're going into the wind and into the waves. So we ended up motoring back, and anyway, it was a good experience. But we also, I guess, what we learned is like that we should have planned our timing better so that we could have waited for to have the right winds wherever we were going. Which was what we should have learned, but I think which we might not have completely learned as our next story will <laughs> show. Of our actual passage from uh, Cape Town to, which was supposed to be to St. Helena. What I wanted to say is that um, uh, the, the, the passage back Cape Town was extremely uncomfortable, especially in terms of being seasick because we were against the waves and the wind. And um, there was quite a big swell that we were like pounding yeah. straight into. So we were motoring, also, we were motoring just because we were going upwind. We had to motor, fit the motor in basically in full, full throttle just to get there, which meant that it was even louder and mm. even more. Yeah, it, was, it was very uncomfortable. But I want to say also. Um, that's uncomfortable, like you kind of learn to get used to being uncomfortable, right? Mm. I mean, I mean, I must say, like, when we, got, <laughs> when we got back to Cape Town, I think after two days of, um, after being back, I built up the courage to say to Demi, like, look, I don't know if I want to do this, <laughs> because it was like a very, I mean, I was quite seasick on the way back, um, 
so uh, it's it's uh, I say it like you get used to being uncomfortable, um, but while you're going through it, it's like the worst possible thing, and then afterwards you kind of like I think forget that's about when, it. That's when you yeah. you said like uh, yeah you, you might have to do this by yourself. As I yeah. think in the previous episode we talked yeah. about that we we have had those discussions before about me possibly sailing solo, which we were doing this 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 test message as like as we were getting ready to to mm. go because you shouldn't obviously cross an ocean without knowing that the boat and yourself are ready so it's kind of like okay we'll be doing this and in the next couple of months we're gonna leave and then all of a sudden to like start starting having to start thinking about doing this solo i got like a total panic mm. <laughs> which we also discussed and i mean i'm very glad that we decided to do it together because yeah, might have. Yeah, anyway, but yeah, I think that was just like a bit of a yeah. I think this is something maybe even that still keeps coming up for us. Like, uh, I mean, besides the seasickness, but everything has happened now. Like, there has been like occasional doubts, occasional reassessing, occasional like uh, breaking it down and then building it up again. Like, what are we doing? Is this the right thing? Do we want to continue? And I think that that's really healthy and really good. Instead of just blindly going ahead, I think, like, engaging in conversation about yeah. where we're at, how we're feeling, and then also just, uh, like, putting it out there, and then letting it, like, stew for a few days, and then seeing how we yeah. feel after a few days. Um, yeah. Well, definitely not making rush decisions. Yeah. Because this is, like, an awesome opportunity that we, it's really, like, a probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity mm. for us, and, like... Yeah, which is also, can also be a trap that yeah, it's like exactly. now we have to do it because yeah. if we don't do it now we'll, we'll probably never do it which mm. has always been a bit of a when we when i well, at least when i have those doubts maybe it's the same yeah. way it's like well can we actually abandon this plus the other side of it which you always hear of people who've been talking a lot about sailing around the world and then they leave and then they feel like people are expecting them to do a certain thing and then yeah. they, if they don't which is, I know it's a trap, and I definitely don't want to fall in that second trap of like feeling obligated towards because we've told people. But on the other hand, yeah, I guess it's the healthy part is like really reassessing do we really want to do this mm. and not just doing it because Blindly, we said yeah. we do, did it yeah. um, because we've gotten so far, so like we might as well carry on with it when it's actually maybe not what we want to do. Mm. Anyway, we still, we still want to do it, but there, there have definitely been a few moments of doubt. Yeah, I think also, like, uh, something that I'd like to acknowledge is that, like, there's kind of, like, a grieving, or I went through, like, a bit of a grieving process, knowing that we were going to be leaving, mm. and also, like, I think it's continual, like, uh, missing, like, the, the comforts of home, missing friends, missing family, know that you're get, knowing that we're going to be far away, not knowing when we're going to see people again, huh? Yeah, or even, like, oh. just the people we, we, so we, we ended up living on our boat in Hard Bay from May till... December, so yeah. more than half a year, yeah. as we were getting ready to go, which we we'd never planned to do, but we got to know a lot of the other people who were doing the same thing as us, getting their boats ready to go, or people who were liveaboards. We'll we'll get into the whole liveaboard versus oh, yeah. cruiser thing at oh, some yes. other point <laughs> because it it's a funny thing that keeps coming up in other podcasts we hear, or books we read, or audiobooks mm. we listen to, or yeah, it's it's a thing, but we don't want to get into that but what i wanted to say is we really got to know the other people who are living on their sailboats and we were planning the same thing as us in Hadve. so it was a community and then 
yeah, you feel like you're missing the community, but on the other hand, also, even before you leave, other people will be leaving. So mm. I think the thing about cruising is just constantly meeting people. And with some people, you might connect, but you're also constantly leaving people. Mm. Constantly having to say hello and say goodbye again, yeah. like really short interactions. And especially the, yeah, yeah. the goodbyes can be a bit taxing. It's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, we had to say goodbye to people just this, this week. Yeah. People that we met like two weeks ago, and we had like one or two dinners with them, and one or two, maybe yeah, like a drink. Yeah. And like, yeah, we had to say goodbye to them. them <laughs> and it was hard. They yeah. Left, yeah it, it always feels a bit, yeah, I mean, it's sad. I guess it's a part yeah. of traveling anyway, but like it's quite interesting that on when you're cruising, when you're sailing, it's it's basically a constant. Um, and on the other hand, at the front, I mean, I know I'm yeah. jumping quite ahead now because we were in like. Called Owen West Coast, and I'll, I'm speaking about here. But I found that arriving in a new country, I found uh, I felt like, imi- like I don't know if it was like a culture shock, maybe, maybe it can be described as that. Even though Namibia is just like a bordering country, and like really, if you look at it, the differences are so subtle. Um, I felt like quite misunderstood, even though nothing was said or implied. And I felt like, um, oh, I felt like people were being hostile. Um, and I think it's probably because there is a little bit of an undertone here that's, that we picked up on. But we'll, I mean, I don't we even know if I want to talk about no, that. I, I think I want to do a, a, another uh, yeah. podcast episode just about Namibia, what it was like yeah. sailing here and boat Luderitzen and Wolvis by where we are now. Yeah. Um, definitely want to talk more about that and also a little bit about well the country and what we've experienced but so yeah i mean just to be yes, so can i just yes. close that because i feel like i'm leaving it like in a very open vulnerable position I, I, I something in me obviously had to adjust and now i feel very much at home here and very much connected to the people so i think that there's also something that i'll probably have to um that that's going to be an ongoing process of um unpicking thoughts and ideas or what I who I finally fundamentally am and then adding on what I've gathered from my new experiences and the people that I've met and like like um, recomposing myself just not on purpose (laughs) but feel like it's just gonna happen uh, each time so there's gonna be a lot of evolving happening um, and that's part I suppose that discomfort is part of the growing yeah, sorry, that's all I wanted no, to say. No. Yeah. Uh, I want to also, as uh, so saying, we were doing our passage from Cape Town to St. Helena, so I think we mentioned it in the previous podcast, and now also we're in Namibia, we're in Malvis Bay now. So maybe we'll, we'll get into that, yeah, yeah, how that please. actually happened. Yeah. We've actually been here for over a month now in Malvis Bay, and in Namibia, it's, I mean, I think it's almost two months since we left Cape mm. Town. So, um, um, yeah. yeah, I think... Um, Maybe we, we can tell the story of yeah. what happened in that that time frame. So, uh, as you know, you, you plan to leave your home or for your sale for your crossing at a certain time, and there's always like this uh, flexibility that has to happen where when you're not ready or the weather's not right or you still have to do stuff on your boat or whatever. So there was a bit of that. So we left much less than we thought we would. We, yeah. we were planning to leave 
beginning of December. Well, so many times actually, October, no, May, so May, first October. We, well, first we November. said May, then we said September, then yeah. became October, November, then beginning of December. I think we did our, our farewell drinks for our friends and for the other cruisers. November. Uh, no, December, like okay. the, the thing, the second week, like somewhere around the second week of December. Then we were planning to leave the week after that. And obviously, like, I, I, I mean, yeah, we, I wanted to do the, the motor checks and the engine checks just before we left, which is just was very silly of me instead of doing like the old change and all the things like much more in advance. So I did, did the old change, then figured out that I couldn't start the engine anymore, which yeah, it's, doesn't really matter, but it's, uh, what matters is that um, got some help from Polger. I think we mentioned him before. It's been very helpful to us to figure out how the engine, why the engine wasn't starting. And also, he brought up that like maybe some spares we really needed <laughs> we didn't have on board. So it's like okay, very good point. Um, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that I was like careless about it. It was just we tried to find them, we couldn't find them, and I thought like, well, if I can't find them, I'm not gonna like just not leave. But he also pointed us to the right place to get these spares and also pointed out that it was really not a good idea to leave without having sp at least a few spares and ideally like five or six spares of everything you need on the engine, which means filters, oil filters, fuel filters, uh, drive belts, uh, impellers, all those kind of things. So we did get all those things. We got the engine started with the full service and then we left a week later than we had initially planned which was a week and like six months yeah yeah but a week <laughs> later than the date yeah also, which also is which is completely normal, normal. and healthy because the, the you don't want to just leave because like you said, you you said you're going to leave on this day it has to be everything yeah. has to be aligned yeah. so there's there's a whole especially for leaving leaving like the leaving on your trip because you obviously have to leave for each passage and you have to choose when to do that but the first leaving is First of all, you did say goodbye to all the people, and then it's like every day after, everyone who knows you were gonna leave is like, "Are you still here?" <laughs> Which is like, this, that's unavoidable because you don't want to leave. You can't really plan a farewell and a weather window at the same time. On the other hand, we did kind of set a date like a week or like. A number of days in advance also which had to do with just the paperwork we had to do for Coco or dog because there were some tight frame time frames on that but anyway we we chose a weather window which I think that first weather window we chose was was okay um, maybe we should have been more flexible and be more but like it ended up being I being thought it was okay. a perfect perfect no, sailing condition it was, said it was, it was, like said it was smooth and the waters were silky it we was did like have enough we did have enough um, wind to sail except for I think mm. the first couple of hours where we had to motor which like if you as you're leaving Cape Town there's like so, so much traffic there anyway that it, it kind of made sense to motor a little bit and then after that we were sailing which like yeah, we we actually had like not too much wind, but definitely enough wind. Yeah, the first day was beautiful. Like we didn't have issues. It was just like the best going out I thought mm. that we could have had. Um, and uh, it was fine because I had the special patches that Helga and Barbara gave um, me to use for the seasickness, and that really would seem to be very effective. That you put behind your ear. Yeah, it's called scopoderm. You can't get it here in South Africa. Apparently, you can get it 
from Europe. Um, so they had a few and they, they were very kind to let me have some. Um, and I don't remember anything else from that trip. Besides you did work really well and you oh, weren't yeah. very seasick. Or yeah, yeah, you I weren't seasick yeah. at all. No, no, I was fine. Uh, well, very limited. Like my, I don't know. Yeah. It didn't seem like seasickness was a big deal. So we yeah. set ourselves a, a, a watch schedule of four hours on, four hours off. It was three hours for that. Sh Did we? Oh, no, that was for the Bulbous Bay one, yeah. yeah. No, we decided four, four hours, hours yeah. made more sense because three hours was a bit too short. Mm -hmm. So we did four hours on, four hours off. We did figure out how to use the tiller pilot and actually calibrate it, which um, meant that we could just, especially as we were motoring, we could just put, that, put the tiller pilot on and it would steer us. Mm -hmm. Uh, as soon as we were sailing, the tiller pilot it uses too much electricity to use full time. So then we switched to our wind vane, which is uh, actually made by the company South Atlantic in Argentina. Which also, again, very silly, but due to circumstances, well, we weren't able to test it beforehand because an essential part of it was had broken before we were actually able to use it. So we were actually first using it on our passage, which, again, like looking back, not not a great idea but on the other hand it was that was what it was mm -hmm. so i think we managed to use the wind vane for a while to like keep our course so wind vane uses the wind uh to steer the boat simply said which means it keeps a course in a certain angle towards the wind but it uses just uses the wind and mechanical means so it doesn't use ele electricity um, which is what on long passages the only thing that really well especially for a boat like ours really works which is also the ideal thing so we managed to to sail quite well like that I think the second night or some something we had like the boat sails uh, the wind on a beam reach so like kind of on 90 degrees or a little bit more from the back which meant we were like healing over quite a bit and we had the waves from the side but it was wasn't too uncomfortable and we were making quite nice progress and I think then the what was it the, that was the second night the third night we got the wind from straight behind us and I thought that so uh, on the boat if you're sailing if you get too much wind you make the sail smaller that's basically the principle on making sure you don't get too much sail up which people call being over canvassed and then you're going too fast and also the boat is getting taking too much strain so we put the second reef in the main which means we make the sail smaller yeah, yeah so so we made it smaller by two degrees mm -hmm. which is actually the smallest we can make this mainsail which i'll get into that at another point in another episode why that might be not not ideal but and we had the working jib which is not the biggest jib not the biggest sail in front but our, our second one, which si seemed like really like the right size. And we were sailing wing on wing, which meant the mainsail, the boom is on one side, which has a jab preventer, which I won't get into now. People who know sailing will know what that means. And we had the jib, which is a sail in the front of the boat, on the other side of the boat. So both of them are like... It creates kind of like an umbrella in the front of yeah. the boat um, that yeah. catches the wind. Yeah. yeah, so sailing wing on wing, again, like it's something to, to look up if you're interested in it. Anyway, that, that sail was also pulled out. So we had like quite a lot of sail area, even though we had not the maximum sails. And then we were sailing downwind, which meant that the wind is behind us, the waves are behind us. So we were like... 
quite comfortable ease but the, sailing. Yeah, yeah, but the wind was going quite strong. So another thing which you get when you're sailing downwind is the apparent wind and the actual wind speed are not the same. Because as you, it's like if you're driving in a car and you stick your hand out the window, you feel like a lot of wind, even though there might not be any wind because you, it's just the speed of the of the car. So on a boat you have the same thing, except if you're sailing downwind, it's opposite. So the wind is actually feeling less strong because mm. you're moving with the wind. So I think we had an apparent wind of about 20 knots, and we were going about at least 6 knots. So it meant 26 knots, which is quite strong winds. But as we were sailing downwind, it was like not too uncomfortable. Um, the downside was that I struggled very hard to get the the wind vane to work well which is a known fact that like sailing straight downwind is very hard on a wind vane for different reasons which I won't get into uh, the main reason also was that I just had very little experience with this wind vane uh, the other thing is if while you're sailing downwind like basically you have your one sail on the one side and the other sail on the other side which means as soon as you go off course a little bit one of the sails will start to go in the wrong direction, like basically backing the sail, which we were getting a little bit of. I thought it wasn't too bad, but um, as we found out later, it wasn't ideal. But I guess the main lesson was that we actually had the, quite a lot of sail up, and as we were sailing, especially at night sailing downwind, we were actually going like 9 to 10 knots, which is way faster than the boat normally could go because we were basically surfing down the wave so we were going like it was also pitch black because it was a new moon so there was no moonlight and we were basically just racing down these waves and like the fastest we'd ever gone in our boat i think i was i was sleeping at that time because i remember like you were very impressed just that the boat just got, had gone so even, far. even yeah, people fast, who were yeah. following us on our tracker said like that we were like like we're going so fast they could see on the tracker that we were like making such good speeds uh, which was, mm. yeah, it was exciting. I mean, it wasn't something we would have been able to keep up for a longer time, but, like, I guess also being on a small boat, just making some nice speed is is a nice thing. I think we forgot about Luderitz, but it doesn't matter. No, no, that's what, we uh, were still on our way. Oh, okay. we were, this was while we were on our way to St. Helena. We were still, still thinking uh, okay, to go down okay. St. Helena. So at the same time, um, um, we did check the weather forecast, but we knew there were, like, areas where there was going to be less wind and areas where there was more wind um, so we we were getting uh, advice from Holger via our Garmin inReach like uh, communication like because we didn't have cell phone reception anymore by that time we were too much offshore we were basically sailing parallel to the coast of South Africa but uh, too far away from it to still have cell phone or reception or data so he was helping us finding like the right route, and then the day, uh, the the morning after, we we sailed that fast, and I found it very exciting. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> I remember you saying that like, there's this. Uh, you have like you. Uh, um, uh, a, sh uh, a piece of U-shaped metal I found on the boat, and I didn't know where it came from. You, so you have yeah. D-shackles, which are basically a U-shaped part with a, another part going through, which forms the letter D. So you thought it was one of those. Mm. And then I go look at it, and it's like, no, this thing is definitely broke off. And then I see, like, oh, where this is what was holding our kicking strap, which is the um, blinds that keep the 
boom, which is yeah. Happy to pull the boom down. Basically. Boom down. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, we we won't be able to explain all the sailing terms. Just look up boom, look up kicking no, strap. No, I mean or don't. Oh, no, but if you want to, we'll put some links in the show notes anyway. And if you know sailing, you know what we're talking about. Anyway, this is a line that keeps the sail, the boom from going up, which is not normally something you have to worry too much about, but it does mean that you don't have as much control over your sail trim, which is not, not a big worry. But this obviously had happened because as we were sailing downwind and going quite fast, first of all, there was probably a lot of pressure on... Um, on all the rigging and on the kicking strap and also as the sail backed as we were like kind of going off course I think it just we had like a few false jabs which weren't completely false jabs because we had a jab preventer in again like this is only makes sense to s people who know I sailing think that's what we should simplify I feel like there's too many technical terms and I it's want gonna be people to know about sailing to understand what was happening okay, okay is there another way to explain that no I'm not gonna try I don't even know so uh, <laughs> Okay, carry on. Never mind. So a thing broke. A thing broke on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Just to keep it very simple, something broke. <laughs> Which we just we realized is like it's not, it's not very dangerous, and we could probably continue. But as we were like now, like on day four, and we were getting very tired, and we're like, okay, well, things aren't really. Like we were probably gonna get to a point where we would have either gotten into the rhythm of like doing four hour on and off watches and and kind of get used to it but also at that point it's the hardest and then something breaking on the boat we decided instead of continuing to St. Helena as we were still like quite close to the coast and, uh, coast and on the road to towards Namibia to turn in to turn in and stop at at Luderitz um or Ludacris yeah no, Ludacris, Ludacris. Yeah. Kay found that a very funny joke and this week someone made the exact same joke. Yeah, which is a really clever guy. Yeah, I think it was the... Um, <laughs> the Commodore, yeah. Commodore here yeah. at the Wolfers Bay Yacht Club. Yeah. Anyway, people have been very friendly here. So anyway, we stopped in Luderitz. Very, very interesting town. I'd never been there. It's like one of the oldest towns in Namibia, I think. Um, a little mining town in like... Um, more towards the south of, of Namibia, obviously on the coast, but also in the middle of the Namib Desert, and also in the middle of the Spergebiet, which is German for something. Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't actually know what it means exactly. Where are you going with that? <laughs> that it's a, the area where you're not allowed to stray from the ro road or even next uh, close to the coast. So there's oh, diamonds yeah. everywhere. So basically oh, the yeah. dunes of... Everywhere it's full of diamonds. Diamonds are just, they don't mine diamonds underground. They're just lying in the sand. So to prevent people from just picking up diamonds, when you're driving to Luderitz, when you're driving through that area, you're not allowed to actually go off the road more than a couple of meters. Mm. And when you're sailing towards Luderitz, there's actually a zone of um, a few nautical miles, which actually on the charts is marked as also being like forbidden. Mm. You're not allowed to even go there because even there, in the there's like a lot of, um, small and bigger um, diamond mining boats which basically vacuum up the sands mm. on uh, the bottom of the sea and sift out the diamonds because it's just, yeah, there's just so many diamonds here. It's it's literally like, I mean, someone described it as literally you walk around and you find diamonds mm. and like they're very good quality. But yeah, you're not supposed to do that unless you've got a license. So that's why, anyway. Can't say 
without having proper license yeah, either. So that's, so. that was Luderitz, which was like, yeah, beautiful little town, like old German buildings from like, uh, like late 19th century, I think. Um, yeah, I think they found the diamonds uh, there like back then. So it's been like, there's been people moving there like since then and it's got quite a little interesting history but also it's like it's really surrounded by the desert so it's like a little town in the middle of nowhere like the thing that the yeah you have to drive 300 kilometers just to get to the main road which connects um Windhoek the uh, capital of Namibia with Cape Town there's an interesting parallel story with sailors and their boats so there's like a little story, because um, we, we did a tour with a friend, or somebody that we befriended um, in Luderitz, and there's a story of this like count building this beautiful house on a rock there for his beautiful wife uh, from, from Germany. Germany, yeah. And she came over and she was like, I don't like this place. <laughs> it's too hot here. It's too windy. There's nothing happening here. I'm going back to Berlin. Yeah, basically, that's what happened. So... The, uh, he showed us where the house is. Beautiful you see house it actually, it's like over overlooking the whole of the town. It's yeah. beautifully, beautifully renovated. It's like it's it's like one of those houses you see in like uh, like uh, you would see in a movie. I mean, it's like it's really it is really special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a really nice town. I love that. It's got a very special charm to it because it's such a small town. There's so little people. There's hardly anything to do. But I didn't feel for a moment feel like really bored there. I felt quite content. Mm. Just being there yeah. for for a week, I would have happily stayed longer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we also met some very interesting characters, which I think we've already um, told our friends about. Um, mm, I, I was hmm? thinking of doing the third episode of mm. our podcast about Luderitz. So okay, next Ludacris. 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 Yeah, that sounds good. But yeah, it was yeah. It was cool to stop there. I mean, I think. It was the right choice. The problem was Ludris is so small. There's like some fishing uh, boats, and there's like the, it's got a relatively big harbor, but there's like no facilities for for yachts. So we we asked around, and it would have been quite difficult. I mean, it probably wouldn't have been impossible, but it would have been difficult to get uh, the damage to the boom and the kicking strap fixed. I, th- I think uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that next time. Yeah. Something that we've been learning, or that I've been discovering, is that, like, you know, for example, um, we spoke to s- the the other person that is a sailor that we met in Luderitz, Luder- Luder- mm-hmm. and he was like, no, you're going to have to take your boom off, like, you take it to shore, no one is going to come to you, and we kind of just like, we're like, okay. So that's not going to happen then. Whereas when we got to our next destination, which was Saudi Bahia, we were like, let's just take it off and we'll make a yeah. plan. Well, we'll we, we first found a yeah. person who could fix it and he's like, yeah, you have to bring it, take it off anyway. And then it's like, okay, we'll do that. So it's like, I feel like something is happening where we, we just assume that we can't do things uh, or things cannot be done. Mm. Um, and then we we very quickly learn just from somebody saying like you can do it that actually yeah. we can't we are capable of doing it and I we just just to try a little bit a like, little, little bit um yeah 
cautious. Help, you know, and also we, we like just people helping us and, and telling us how to do things. I mean, well, not how to do things, but just saying like, no, it's not that hard. Um, yeah. I mean, the, also the thing is, would uh, think of now, if we would have done it in Wolves Bay, someone would probably just welded it on, which wouldn't mm. have fixed it properly. Which we now find someone in Wolves Bay with more experience no, with sailboats. It works out perfectly. I'm just saying, like, yeah, it's it's, it's like an yeah, interesting no, thing where. No, no. You, uh, we well, we. <laughs> thought, thought we wouldn't be able to do it, and so what we decided yeah. to do then, after spending like uh, a few a week in in Luderitz, when we got to see a bit of the town, but there's not that much else to see, that we just would move on without actually <laughs> repair, which we stopped at Luderitz for. Right. Yeah. Um, the other thing about <laughs> Luderitz is that it gets very windy there. Um, I mean, yeah. it gets very windy here in Wolfis Bay. It gets very windy in Cape Town, but the winds there. They just build up towards afternoon because it's like I think it's the temperature difference between the um, the ocean, which is quite cold there because of the Benguela current, which is a cold current coming from Antarctica, and the desert. desert. They're right next to each other, so you get like an enormous difference in in temperature as the desert heats up, which creates like really strong winds. And it's all onshore wind, is that right? That, yeah. Well, so it's wind blowing from the shore. Yeah. Yeah, so it's blowing us, it was blowing, if you are on your boat well, and you're in the bay, it was blowing us, basically, even though we were anchored, the feeling was that it would have taken you out to sea if yeah. you were not anchored, yeah. The advantage, the good thing about it is that because it was coming, like, kind of off the land, there wasn't the buildup of, of waves, which you would yes, get if, yeah. if the, the wind was coming from the other direction, and, like, it's pretty well protected Anchorage, but there's no marina, there's no yacht club. There is a harbor, but it's it's not set up for small smaller boats. So anyway, we we spent and we sp we learned to we got to know a few people there. We got to see a bit of Luderitz. We'll talk about it next week in the next episode. But yeah, it was was a really nice stay. And I'm very happy we stayed there. Mm. There was something else you wanted to say? Uh, mm, I want to say about the wind. Yeah. That um, what happened one day was that the wind got so intense that sand from the desert was blowing mm. onto our boats. And we got up the next day, there was like a layer of uh, desert golden, sand. Golden brown sand, like very light boat. sand. Yeah. But like it was sticking to everything, like, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is very interesting. Also, like it's, I mean, uh, yeah, it's quite special to see the, w the dunes coming to right next to the ocean, which is actually like, the same here in Walvis Bay. Yeah. You got dunes and then you got the ocean, which is, yeah. So, so we can talk about Luderitz next time. Uh, I want to talk mm -hmm. about Luderitz next time because I feel like there's so much to say about it that, yeah, I'd rather just spend another episode about that. Remind me to talk about the hyena. The hyena. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. On that note, cliffhanger. Yeah. Not um, really, not really. It's not really. <laughs> another lesson, when I guess what we learned, first of all, is that we could have get gotten our boom repaired there but we didn't and we decided to continue on because my logic was we're going to be sailing downwind so we don't really need the kicking strap which i think if you know anything about sailing you probably figure out that that actually is doesn't make any sense i don't know i told myself that like we will be fine without it um and again we left like because after a week we kind of felt like okay we've spent enough time here let's just continue um I did do, like, as you have to, before you go sailing for any longer distance, or actually even if you're just sailing for just a day, you have to check the weather. So we checked the weather forecast. I showed it to Kay. 
Which we're gonna talk about this next time, right? No, no. The, the, the we're talking about the passage now. From A passage from Ludwitz to. But that doesn't make sense. You still talk about Ludwitz. No, we'll talk about Ludwitz separately. Uh, I wanted okay. to talk about just the passages because it's all oh, yes, feels passages. like they're all connected. That's okay. what this week's episode will be about, about our passages okay. until now. Okay. <laughs> okay. As, as, as you can hear, we have no plan on, on what we're talking about. And, well, <laughs> it's it's a bit all over the show. By the way, like the background noises you're hearing is both the wind, also you'll hear the acoustics are different from last week because we're doing this in our B-Bird instead of in the... In our bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a very small room, and you can um, also probably hear the creaking of the mooring lines, which are being pulled because there's a, uh, quite a bit of wind. Anyway, um, no sailing from passage, yeah. from Luderitz, which was so that was our second attempt to go to Saint Helena. So the plan was to sail from Luderitz to Saint Helena. Mm-hmm. So we're now like a little bit closer to Saint Helena, but not a lot because. Yeah. We turned inwards. Inland, yeah. yeah. We sailed for four days, but that doesn't mean that we were like four days closer to St. Helena, probably like one day closer. Mm. Anyway, um, we checked the weather. I think I showed you the weather. Maybe you want to comment on that. I don't know what happened to me because I saw what was on that screen and I didn't question it at all. I just went with it, <laughs> which was unusual. Yeah, so I, <laughs> we checked, we checked, like, we downloaded the 10-day weather forecast. Yeah. And it was, like, I think what what happened, there was a, another boat there, which was the Danish boat, the Danish family, um, who we'd actually seen briefly in Harvey, but we'll talk about that another time. Anyway, they were, they were planning to sail from Luderitz to Walvis Bay, but then they decided they actually wanted to continue to... Uh, St. Helena and they were like no we're gonna choose this day because otherwise there's not enough wind so I was like okay we d- definitely do not want to sail when there's no wind because mm. we don't want to be motoring for a long day so I checked like the wind was in the right direction and it was like strong winds but I thought not too strong but Wait. when you look at the charts <laughs> there were places where it, it turned red so if you <laughs> which means quite a lot of wind like basically yeah. Upwards from 25 knots, 25 to 30 knots, which is, as we were saying on that other passage, there's quite a lot of wind. But it's not the danger zone of like 40 no, and then, wind. Yeah, when it turns yeah. purple and like basically black, when like when you're in like really strong winds, we actually heard another couple who were sailing on a smaller boat who were just talking about a, a passage they did where they had 50 knots wind. That's that's when it gets really crazy. Anything about 30 knots, I would say, is crazy. So it was like, well, it's less than 30 knots. We sailed in similar winds. Uh, coming here, it'll probably be fine, which is my mistake. Like, I know now, like, we shouldn't have left when we did because it wasn't a g- the, the right weather window, I think, for us. Well, you know, look, I think because you had already sailed in that, we had sailed in that kind of wind, I don't think it was necessarily bad. Like, nothing bad was happening until something bad happened yeah if you know what i mean like yeah. it was it was actually fine yeah. like it wasn't so i yeah. I, I just want to like paint a yeah. little bit of a picture as to what happened next and and where like what they what you learn when you learn sailing like sailing courses or at least the courses i've done which are the S, uh, south african sailing courses they give you a theoretical course and then there's a practical side but the theoretical course they always go into all the things that could happen and they always give some examples of things that 
that went the wrong way to give you an example of like this is where it goes wrong and what they usually tell you is like it's never one thing that goes wrong it's one thing which leads to another thing which leads to another thing and the third fourth thing is actually what makes the things makes it really dangerous and while people either lose boats or in the worst worst scenario scenarios actually lose their lives which is very unlikely just for all the people who family and friends who are listening sailing is not not very dangerous Anyway, so just saying, being a bit of like a bit, we could have waited till there was less wind. I decided this was wind in the right direction and I'd rather have a little bit more wind for a day than have no wind for a day. The second thing which went wrong, again, like this this passage now, we're talking about a passage from Luderitz. So we were setting sail for uh, St. Helena. We were again sailing pretty much downwind same conditions and I was had the same setup so one jab preventer second reef in the mainsail or working jib uh, which is a 3.5 for people who know sailing on the size of the jib on the opposite side on a a spinnaker pole so we're like sailing wing to wing pretty much you can only do that downwind so we were sailing downwind again wind was quite strong and now the sea was also a bit more choppy and again still struggling to get the wind vane, the wind vane to work. We were kind of managing and dealing with it, like mm. doing our four hour on and off shifts. I think we were on the second or third day, was it the third day? As the wind was like building up and this was now during the daytime. Oh, it was about half past three. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I think I was was on my off, shift, I was yeah. off shift, so I was inside, and you were you were sailing. I don't know if you were hand steering or we were using the we're using autopilot. Autopilot. Yeah. What happened next? Well, I just heard this loud bang, and I was like, "What on earth is that?" And I was like, uh, I looked up, and I saw that the backstay, which is a very thick cable that holds some steel cable, steel yeah. cable that holds the prevents the mast from uh, going, going forward. forward. So Heads. it goes from the top of the mast to the back of the boat. So it's it's important part of the rigging which keeps your mast upright. It had basically snapped right like pretty much above our heads. And I, I just said to Demi, I was like, Demi, I, I said forestay because I, I just lost my words. So I was like, the forestay just snapped. And Demi like just jumped into action and he ran. No, I was like, I first of all checked as like the, for, like, the state broke this is like this is serious stuff so i was I wanted to make sure that i was like assessing the situation right and that you didn't mean something else so i think Which i, I might... did because <laughs> it was staying no the but it was stay. a stay that broke yeah, and like, yeah. that is that is serious stuff because if yeah it's keeping the mast upright and especially as the as the back stay holds stops the mast from forward. forward and, and we're selling downwind so yeah. all of our sails were pushing the all sail the pressure forward. was on the front of the boat so we didn't so, have that support at yeah, the back so the mast yeah. was like leaning well would have lent but would have been leaning forwards but nothing happened uh, nothing bad happened and demi quickly jumped into action it was the most amazing thing he ran to the to the mainsail quickly got the mainsail down i was i took the tiller off the steering off the autopilot because now you're in a situation where you have to change directions but the boat is not still under power from the wind and um, plus you want to take the pressure off, off the, the back of the sail so yeah. you want 
turn the boat around, which meant quickly starting the engine. Yes, and then Demi quickly ran and he had to wrestle the Genoa to get her down, the, the front sail. The jib, yeah. The jib, sorry. Um, and he got that all done like within like, it felt like a very quick time. I think we, we just both got into like adrenaline mode, let's just get stuff done. And I was like not really, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if I'm jumping mm -hmm. to his, no, to no, no. Head. But, like I did not really fully understand the, like if this was serious or not. I was like, we were in action mode. Let's get this done. Let's support the the um, mast. Uh, Demi quickly got a one of the other lines that we had at the top of the mast called a halyard, yeah. and he secured it to the back of the boat. So that was offering support from to the mast from falling forward. And we still had this cable, which was basically like these. Yes. Banging around. It was banging the... around, but it, it wasn't just like a, a, a piece of cable that's like um, fully full. No, it's it not. It had I'm basically not... the split, like a split head. So a, a cable, a steel cable is made out of Many other types of cable. Yeah. So one that, if that snaps, you just basically get a tangle of like small steel cables, like, like bushed out yeah. and like really sharp wire, which can hurt either yourself or damage the sail or anything it's it bangs into so that was still swishing around it was quite high like a little bit just out of like normal reach and as you went forward on the boat where you had like a bit of uh, a higher place to stand and also where you could lead the cable down so it was, yeah. was less of an angle but yeah so at this point Demi got both the sails down he got the halyard securing the back of the boom and I, I, I had turned the boat into the wind so that we not... And now we're um, motoring into the wind or keeping the boats pointing into the wind. Yeah. And then we only had time to really think, like, what does this mean? Because I had no idea. I was like, oh, maybe this is, like, not that much of a big deal. Demi seems pretty chilled. Like, he's really cool, calm and collected. Like, I'll just wait for, for him to tell me how I'm supposed to feel, like, about, about this. And, like, he was still quite calm. And then... And then he started saying, like, I don't know if I should call this in as an SOS or not. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, we have, uh, so we were so too far offshore to use the VHF. The radio. The yeah. radio, VHF radio. Because normally, if we were in VF, VHF range, if you know anything about sailing, otherwise it doesn't really make sense. But oh, I can explain it. Like, when you're radioing, everyone knows Mayday. Like, Mayday, Mayday. It's like when a plane is crashing in a movie, they call Mayday. So, Mayday is like basically. Um, grave and imminent danger to either people on board or the boat itself which basically means either someone is dying or risks dying or the boat is risks of sinking or, or or like being lost which it clearly wasn't so it was definitely not a mayday the step underneath there is a pan pan that's mm. just the term you use on the radio which basically means we have a serious situation we need assistance but we're not in imminent danger. In imminent danger. Yeah. So it's either if someone is very sick but not dying, or if the boat is like in such a position that it could become very dangerous, but it isn't life-threatening yet. So what happens in a pan-pan situation is that the person on the other end of receiving the pan-pan can... They're basically on standby. Well, normally... And, and they no. can also offer you advice. Yeah, well, normally yeah. on pan-pan you have to say what you're requesting. Yeah. So you're basically telling the person you send a pan pan to this is what i need from you you hmm. can't just say this is a pan pan because no one knows what to do with a pan pan no, you still obviously have to say, you'll have to yeah. describe the situation yeah. but we're not in vhf range luckily we have our garmin in reach as i mentioned which is both a 
GPS showing what, where we are. It's a GPS tracker which shows the family and people following us uh, where we are. And it's a two-way communication via short text messages, which also has a SOS function which connects you straight to Garmin's SOS center, which is the same for if you're sailing or if you're mountaineering or if you're driving your, your motorbike yeah. through the desert, mm -hmm. anywhere where you don't have cell phone reception, you call that SOS and they will coordinate with whoever can come to your rescue. So that was a question I had. It's like, is this seriously serious enough for me to call this in as a SOS? Um, I also obviously straight away called, <laughs> um, send a message to Holger because I was like, okay, I'm not sure what to do in this position. I mean, I, I knew we were like we were still like about two weeks away from Saint Helena, which would be sailing straight downwind. So that was to me not an option. Problem was we were already three days off Luderitz, so getting back, motoring back, which to me seemed the only option, would probably take three days, which we didn't have enough petrol for. Mm. So anyway, we called. Uh, Holger, I think he wasn't able to respond straight away because, well, he, anyway, he, he, is, al he is alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, he replied very quickly after, but by that time I had decided to call in an SOS, mm. which means I press the SOS button and then they ask you what your emergency is. So I explained the situation. I told them it's not a life-threatening situation, but we are going try to try to motor back to Luderitz, which was what the first idea I had because I was, yeah. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later, um, which seemed the most logical, um, but I wasn't sure if we would have enough diesel to get there. So mm -hmm. I was like, please monitor our situation. We don't need help right now, but at some point we might need a tow if we can't get there. Yeah, tow, if, tow us in, yeah. Tow us in, because if our men, uh, engines runs out of diesel and we can't sail, get the sa yeah. sail then basically we're, we're stuck. Um... Luckily, Holger like quite quickly pointed out to us that going back to Ludwigs would mean mean going straight upwind, which would mean that we would use way more diesel Fuel. and we wouldn't be able to get there. Plus, Ludwigs, as we already said, has very limited Supplies options. And resources, so yeah. he said, like, let's go to Walvis Bay. He has he's on land, so he has access to weather yep. forecasts. So he's like, you can s go this direction. And then the wind is straight behind you, which means even without the sail up and with the engine running, you get the wind pushing you forward, so you use less diesel. And the waves supporting The yeah. waves are, are, are less less bad, and if if you keep this up for about 12 hours or something, the wind will become less, and mm. it will become easier to turn mm. in towards Walvis Bay. So, um, yeah, big shout-out and respect to mm. both... Holger, um, the people at Garmin SOS Center, and the MRCC, which is the Maritime Rescue Communication Center, uh, Coordination Center, which yeah. you have in, in all, for anywhere, yeah, maybe I should explain a little bit. If you have an emergency at sea, there are different regions of the ocean that different countries are responsible for. South Africa, as it has a lot of ocean around, it is basically responsible for the whole area, not just around South Africa, but going all, halfway to Brazil and going halfway to Antarctica. So it's like a huge area which the maritime rescue 
coordination center in Cape Town is responsible for, which doesn't mean that they co will come and send someone to help you because they can't, it's too far out, but they're the ones coordinating any rescue. Mm. So the uh, Garmin people we were in co contact with, they t called MRCC who were asked to monitor our situation, they gave us the update, I mean, Garmin gave MRCC an update from where we are, which because the tracker shows where we are, and they would also keep an eye on us on our AIS because we still had AIS, uh, and they like followed us and and Holger and also our family, like uh, mm. the two people we have as our emergency contacts, because Garmin contacted them straight away. We also told Holger to please contact them, and then we contacted them as soon as we could, which is your mom and our best friend. Um, Chantal, Chantal. Yeah. Uh, they both were also aware so we I mean we kind of outsourced making sure that they knew we weren't in too much danger by first telling Holger mm. that we were gonna call uh, Garmin so please explain to our safe like mm. our, our safety contacts that we're not like our boat isn't sinking we're not dying we're okay we just asked mm. them for help um, but yeah, anyone, everyone was super helpful and like responded any like the best way they could by like just being super supportive. We ended up motoring downwind for about a day, which like actually the the, the waves were like it was yeah it was it was pretty pretty heavy seas. Also by that time like the wind had kind of shifted, so the waves were coming from two directions. Again, we weren't sure we were going to make it all the way to Walvis Bay. Uh, our boat was like some a, a serious, I mean, not life-threatening damage to the boat or to us, but still, like, the backstay breaking on a boat is, is pretty serious. But, yeah, I think, yeah, it was, again, a good experience to know, like, okay, we've made the right decisions, we've got the right people helping us. I and, think, yeah? Yeah, I think that's that experience, I wouldn't take it away. Like, mm. I think that it was invaluable to know that if you are in a difficult situation or you need some help of some kind that we have like such a good support system mm. behind and us and apart from yeah. that that we also actually knew what we were even if we wouldn't yeah, have had any also, of those yeah. that we knew what we were doing so even if for whatever reason all the communications were down we would have been able to i think that was also that like out. a serious big mind bender <laughs> like opener is that actually our initial uh, response was like exactly what had to happen and um, yeah, yeah we were very streamlined neither of us panicked yeah. we just we, were. we actually were so good we yeah. didn't panic hey no so i think especially that, you i was like so impressed yeah so you, the, the funny thing is i'm like down below i'm out of my fall weather gear because it's like it's like there were waves splashing over the boat and it's like you you've got your waterproof gear on you got your PFD, which is your personal flotation device, you basically your safety gear on mm. you because it's quite heavy seas. You clipped in, so connected to the boat. So I'm down below in my sweatpants and my warm weather, but like warm gear, but not my outside gear. So I hear this this happens. So I jump out. I don't put my mm. PFD on. I don't put, put anything on, which I was aware of. I was like, okay, yeah. I have to be very careful now because if if the if a wave smashes me over, I'm lost. Like, yeah. I don't have anything saving me. But it was like, well, the most important thing is now to get the sail down mm. so we don't get any more serious damage to the boat. Because if we would have lose, lost the mast, then, yeah, I mean, that's that, that would have been very serious. So I think, yeah, we, we made the right decisions. We 
I mean, at some point, as as a, as we were doing, going back to Wolf's Bay, I think I told you, like, mm. I'm not sure, like, there's now, on two of our passages, two times, things broke, and the first thing was, wasn't too bad, the second thing was pretty serious, like, I'm not sure, like, <laughs> this is the right thing we're doing, like, are we actually doing the right thing, do we even know, do I even know what I'm doing, and I think as we got to think about it a bit more, it actually just confirmed that we did know what we are doing, mm. we there were things we could have done differently like mm. uh the two things i would have done differently first like i said i would have not gone out with this much wind i don't think it was too much wind but it was more than i mean we could have just waited a few days to have a l less wind the second thing was to have even less sail up i would have th should have taken this uh, main sail down because again when we were going sailing like on our gps tracker we could see how which speed we were doing before the uh, Backstay broke and we're going 6.4 knots, which for our boat is really fast. Uh, I should have just had less sail and just gone a bit slower. But I think you are overplaying. Um, I think you're taking on too much blame because when mm. we when we got the um, we eventually got someone in Velvet's Bay to replace or to fix the backstay. We found that there was excessive corrosion yeah. in the connection on the backstay and the yeah, plate, so it would the plate have probably that it was broken to. at any point otherwise. So we were lucky that it happened when it did. That we would still be able to get the yeah. motor back to yeah. true. But the other lesson I want to learn from that is that, like, I, I could have taken it a bit easier. It would have been easier on the boat. I'm not saying that the backstay wouldn't have broken. Mm. But yeah, just, I mean, I guess every time something happens. I mean, a smart person takes lesson, especially on a, yeah. on a sailboat with a skipper. You have to like kind of analyze what what decisions could have made been made differently, and that's the two that I took from there. The third one was check your rigging. Yeah. Because we had like the rigging checked by a professional rigger about a year ago, mm. but I knew that they basically just have a quick look and they just sign a paper which says we've had a visual inspection and. and According to us, the the rigging is okay, which means very little. <laughs> and we've mm. learned now how to actually check the, like the point that broke on the backstay is the point where it's connected to another point, which is actually you can open this and you can look. And if we'd looked inside, we might might have, might not have, mm. but we might have seen that it was corroded. Yeah. We actually checked all the other points on the rigging. Now, that's this past yeah, weekend, which yeah. is an, again a thing we didn't even know we would be able to do. We obviously got the backstay fixed. Uh, the other thing we had done, we'd done some, we've done some repairs on our mainsail ourselves. Yeah, we got some that was fun. We, yeah, yeah we, we figured out that we actually had patches on the boat, which which you can patch the sail up with. The uh, working jib, which we've been using all the way, mm -hmm. and which got a bit damaged, we had uh, fixed by someone here. Mm -hmm. um, we decided to buy a second tiller pilot because the tiller pilot we have is a st1000 plus which is actually made for smaller boats than the one we have which i knew before and i as we were sailing i was telling Kay like mm. not sure this thing will hold it did hold except for a few times when conditions were really rough and it like was overloaded which didn't break the thing it just stops working and it just gives a loud beep which is actually fine but we re figured out like actually it makes way more sense to have the right one for our boat mm. so now we will have two um, tiller pilots and the other thing is that 
Um, we still have to do this, but we're gonna do a test sale mm -hmm. here in Walvis Bay. First of all, checking that all, because we, we replaced, we took the boom off to get the boom fixed, as we were m mentioned before, which we had to do, we would have done in Ludwitz, we did it now. Um, we've replaced some other rigging, like the, the, um, Reef lines, which oh, yeah. we actually yeah. stuff we could have done before, but we didn't do because it wasn't essential. But it was like, let's do it now. So now that we've done all these things, we should have a proper test sail, test out the wind vane in not like conditions like we did before, where we haven't slept for properly for two days and it's like quite strong wind and mm -hmm. like anyway to figure out how to use the wind vane properly. And yeah, just make sure everything works fine. So I think that's the lessons learned. The other thing which I've learned from that is like, we'll wait for the right weather window. Yeah. We're not oh, gonna, if we need to wait a, wait a half a week or even a week um, before going. We got some very good advice from another uh, sailor here in Belvis Bay. Um, he said to get your boat ready to go and then give yourself a day or two to rest before you go on your passageway. That way you're not like, rushing off in a hurry or setting a deadline that's mm. not gonna really work for you weather-wise or mm. otherwise but to so, give yourself enough time yeah. to be like fully rejuvenated before you take yeah. off basically yeah. buy all your provisions make sure you have all the fuel and the water on board that you are actually ready to go and then just, just go have, when it's the right time just, and yeah. just actually have a good night's sleep mm. don't leave like as you're still getting everything ready which is mm. how we've done it previously which is i guess how a lot of people do it uh, but yeah so lessons learned i think mm. we mainly learned that our boat is is really strong and that we're actually capable capable of doing yeah. this um yeah we spent more time here which ended up being time we spent doing a little road trip here mm. and yeah so beautiful. we'll talk about that in another episode so yeah. i would like to just spend the whole episode on on namibia and, and what it was like here okay. um but yeah so that's why we're still not in St. Helena, two, <laughs> two months down. And we actually, yeah. the funny thing is we talked about going to Namibia as we were planning to go mm -hmm. to do this trip to like go to Namibia and then to go to St. Helena. And then we decided, no, we'll just go straight to St. Helena because every time you stop, you have, your body Research, has to get, yeah. get readjust to being at sea. And it's easier to just do two weeks than to, to do three days and two days. And then, but yeah, here we are now, and we're actually very happy that we spent some time in Namibia. Yeah. And we're still on the African continent, which we both call home now. And yeah, it's, uh, this is where we are now. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. I think that's already, like, I don't even know how long this episode is. But, um... It's, I can't tell either. Anyway. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. That was mm. all. That's why I wanted uh, just one episode just on the passages, because yeah, um, Kay also wrote a beautiful post on our blog, which is diverter.eu, which I'm not going to even try to spell. We'll put the link to I'll it on, on on our um, on the notes of the podcast. But if you want to just type it in, there's a short link which is dh.ui. So that's Delta Hotel Decimal Uniform Yankee. No, ex, huh? Uniform Yankee. Oh, okay. UI, sorry. So dh.ui, which yeah. is the first four letters of our surname. If you tap that in, you go to our website and then you'll find links to all the posts about 
well, about random stuff, but also about sailing. Uh, my posts are mainly about like web development and cryptocurrency, and Kay has another beautiful post about <laughs> ch ch changes. Anyway, ch check, ch out, changes. check out our blog. Um, yeah, this is our second episode. We'll do an episode every Friday. I think that's what we'll be trying to do. Next week, I want to talk about Luderitz. I think I want to do one episode just about Luderitz and about the people we met there. Okay. And then the week after we can do about Wolfers Bay and Namibia in general. Okay, sounds that's, good. That's that's kind of the plan for the next few episodes, and then we'll, after that we'll see. Um, but yeah, a um, few people of our friends, family who uh, listened, sent us some uh, messages, giving some feedback. Really appreciate it. Anyone who's listening, uh, just yeah, check the either go to our website where there's a contact form or find a way to get in touch we'd love to hear what you thought of the episode and maybe like uh, what you're interested in hearing more about because otherwise we're just going to talk about what we think about yeah um, but yeah no, we'd love to hear what what you thought of the episode yeah and we also like would love to just mention that we've got so many wonderful beautiful people in our lives and we're really really grateful yeah, all for all our friends and family yeah. like also the other thing yeah what I wanted to say like the fact that we had the Garmin in reach so um, first of all yeah it's like two way communication with anyone we can send messages to either a phone number or, or an email address so text message or email and they can send us messages back uh, and yeah, yeah a lot of our friends send us messages which is like really amazing also, people can see where we are. The other thing which I wanted to say, if you have a Garmin inReach and you ever activate SOS mode, your tracking will stop. Just so you know. So people won't, will not be able yeah, to track sorry. you any no, the longer. Tracking, the yeah. tracking doesn't stop, but the tracking goes only to the SOS center. It doesn't show update on the map or the chart anymore, which... Um, could, could set off quite a few alarms for the people back cause, home. Because now they're hearing you like... There's an SOS and you can't, they can't see you, so they expect the worst. The good thing is Garmin, they kept uh, our two emergency contacts up to date twice a day. They kept in constant touch with us. Actually, every couple of hours they would send a message if we hadn't sent a message to hear how we were doing. So, like, yeah, uh, it was definitely a really good investment to have that. I mean, a lot of people I know use... Um, have like a iridium phone which just costs so much money to use and i feel like this is way more cost effective and it's like because it doesn't cost as much you actually can use it much more freely and yeah just the fact that there's a tracker attached to it and and the fact that there is like a, a communication center that like is used to dealing with situations and know what to do is just like i think that also gave a lot of confidence that like yeah this is like so yeah Garmin inReach I don't want to like do advertising but actually this was like definitely like totally worth its money uh, but yeah so the the tracking updates the the tracker won't show where you are unless you send message someone directly which you can still do then it'll show where you are when you send the message anyway it's good to know um, yeah I think that's it eh okay yeah. so yeah um I'll go on shore now and upload this episode so people can listen to it. I'll stay here and relax. Yes. Okay, <laughs> and we'll, we'll be back next week with an episode about Ludwitz and the very interesting people we met there. Yeah. Okay, so I hope you'll um, 
you're excited about it as we are, and you'll listen again next week. See you. Hear you. Speak to you soon. <laughs> yes. Bye. Bye.